Today's video is brought to you by HelloTushy.com. Hey, brother! Ben, today I want to talk about Dumbledore, the guy with all the answers, the guy who is maybe pulling all of the strings. It's kind of hard to tell because throughout the series, Dumbledore is almost comically never giving Harry all of the answers. Why tell you what to do when I could just let you fumble about in the dark and maybe stumble into the answer? Don't go down the third corridor. Harry, do go down the third corridor. There's a three-headed dog and a trap door and a deadly plant and flying keys and a killer chest set and a troll and also potions. But let's face it, they're never gonna put that in the movie. A logic problem? Pfft. But it just leaves us all on the sideline like, Dumbledore, can you just tell him what to do? and where to go, and then him and Voldemort are destined to duke it out in the end because he's the chosen one. No, let's wait the full seven years and then cryptically leave him a sword and a ball and see what he makes of it. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Can he not actually have the sword? No, he can't. And did Dumbledore know that? He did. Okay, so just, just give him the ball. Oh, this will be fun. Oh, the ball has a riddle on it. Oh, and the answer, die. Cool. So yeah, all he really leaves Harry with is the snitch and a bunch of other conversations along the way during which he had plenty of opportunities to tell Harry how to destroy a Horcrux or to be like, hey, remember when you destroyed the diary? D that again. Like, come on, Dumbledore. At the very least, tell him how Goblin-made silver works. And let me be clear, in today's video, I'm not exactly going to be defending Dumbledore for subjecting Harry to all of this, but then again, prophecy-based ethics are just a... But that's a whole different that's a whole different ballgame. Honestly, I'm just not there yet. So today, what I'm going to do is try and reveal the method to Dumbledore's madness. And spoilers, this isn't exactly a new idea. In fact, it's roughly 2,500 years old because what Dumbledore is implementing is called the Socratic method. And honestly, Dumbledore might just be Socrates. But before we begin, would anyone like to share with the class what the Socratic method is? Before we dive on into today's video, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, HelloTushy.com. Now guys, imagine if you will, that at the end of a long, hard day, you jump into the shower, but instead of turning on the water, you just wipe yourself down with a bunch of dry paper towels. Ugh. But so then why is that enough in the bathroom? Accidentally burned myself. Well, it doesn't have to be anymore with Hello Tushy's brand new 3.0 modern bidet attachment. It meets all three of the big S's that are oh so important when it comes to toilets. Sleek, stylish, and of course, sanitary. And not just for you, with the Smart Spray Automatic Nozzle, the Hello Tushy Bidet is also cleaning itself with every use. These things are seriously game changers. Even if you have just one in your home, I guarantee it's going to become your new favorite bathroom. Plus they install in just minutes and no additional plumbing or electrical work is needed. So head on over to hellotushy.com super to get 10% off your order today, plus free shipping. Again, this is a special offer just for our viewers. That is hellotushy.com super for 10% off plus free shipping. That is hellotushy.com Super, link is in the description down below. The Socratic method, as you may have guessed, is a method of teaching developed by Socrates. Socrates was an ancient Greek philosopher from way back in the fifth century BC. And he is considered to have one of the greatest influences over the Western world, along with his student Plato and Aristotle. Although on the whole, and I'm sure this will sound familiar given the topic of today's video, he's a bit of a mysterious figure. He didn't actually author any texts and most of what we know about him come from accounts from his student, 
Plato. But one of his signature contributions to the world as we know it is the Socratic method. The short version of it goes like this. Uh, but why? We've lost the kingdom. But why? Well, because we lost the battle. But why? Well, we had one less warrior. But why? Well, I guess really because we had one less horse. Why? Because one of our horses lost a shoe. Because we didn't have enough nails! Therefore, why did the kingdom fall? Because we didn't have enough nails. Honestly, I'm surprised Socrates had to think so much to come up with this. I mean, this is a game that's super popular with every three-year-old ever. Because your hair is messy. Because you put honey in it. I don't know why! You tell me, son! But like I said, that's just the short version of it. The longer version is the idea of promoting learning by asking questions and engaging in further discussion with your student. And hopefully that will lead to critical thinking and a better understanding of the subject. So for example, a teacher might ask, what is a square? And you might say a square is a shape with four sides. Ah, well, the door to this classroom has four sides on it. Is it a square? No, a square is a shape that has four equal sides. And then they get into an argument about rhombuses and eventually discover right angles, but you, you get the idea. And Dumbledore is doing this constantly. And sometimes it's possibly an excuse for not giving Harry all of the information. All in the name of Harry just figuring it out on his own to grasp a better understanding. Which if you ask me is putting a lot of faith in Harry. I mean, if he doesn't figure it out, it's like, you know, the literal end of the world. But that said, Harry is a smart kid and normally does figure it out. Take for example, when he's concerned about whether or not he should have been sorted into Slytherin. He knows the sorting hat considered it. And then when he meets Tom Riddle in the Chamber of Secrets, he learns that they're actually very similar, which Harry hates and it just, furthers his concern. And in this case, Dumbledore could have just said to Harry, don't worry about it, Harry. If you were supposed to be in Slytherin, the hat would have put you in Slytherin. And that could have been the end of it. There, done. The headmaster said it, so it must be true. I'm sure Harry would have just forgotten that worry entirely and gone on to win the house cup year after year. Hooray! But of course, that's not how it works. Have you ever told someone to just stop feeling sad about something or stop being anxious? Does that work? I mean, maybe if the sorting hat itself tried it, but Harry even goes to the source and it's like, mm, I don't know, maybe you could have been in Slytherin. You would have done well in Slytherin. The point is anyone could just tell Harry he's meant to be in Gryffindor and maybe it would help and maybe it wouldn't. But Dumbledore is able to recognize that this is the sort of thing Harry needs to understand at a fundamental level. Professor Dumbledore, Riddle said I'm like him, strange likenesses. Did he now? And what do you think, Harry? I don't think I'm like him. I mean, I'm, I'm in Gryffindor. I'm, yet the Sorting Hat placed you in Gryffindor. You know why that was. Think. It only put me in Gryffindor because I asked not to go in Slytherin. Exactly! In this situation, Dumbledore knows exactly why Harry is meant to be in Gryffindor. But rather than just tell him, he's coaxing him into working out the problem so that he understands it himself. Asking him questions like, what do you think, Harry? And Think. And this helps Harry discover that the information he already knows might contain the answer. He just has to figure out how to work the puzzle pieces together. But I also think there was a greater lesson Dumbledore is trying to teach Harry in that moment. It's emphasizing the idea that our choices define us, which is a bit of wisdom that can stretch far beyond just what house you belong in. It's the classic, give a man a fish and feed him for a night, but teach a man to fish and feed him for the rest of his life. You can tell Harry he's meant to be in Gryffindor and that might help him for a night, but if you can help help him understand the impact of his choices and what it means to be in Gryffindor beyond just what a hat told you, 
then you can defeat the Dark Lord. That said, maybe Dumbledore actually should have taught Harry how to fish because apparently it's as easy as just summoning salmon out of the river, which Harry, Ron, and Hermione couldn't figure out for months out on the road while they were starving camping next to rivers. Rivers the body of water, not the codename for Lee Jordan on Potter Watch. Who he's actually camping next to is Dean Thomas, whose party is fishing for salmon in the river, after which they still don't do it. Okay, rant over. Fast forward to Harry and Dumbledore's conversations about the prophecy and you can see the Socratic method at work again. Imagine please just for a moment that you had never heard the prophecy. How would you feel about Voldemort now? Think. You just tell people to think, that's all. Harry watched Dumbledore striding up and down in front of him and thought. He thought of his mother, his father, and Sirius. He thought of Cedric Diggory. He thought of all the terrible deeds he knew Lord Voldemort had done. A flame seemed to leap inside his chest, searing his throat. I'd want him finished, said Harry quietly, and I'd want to do it. Okay, bloodthirsty much, Harry. It's the same as before. He can't just tell Harry this information. He can't say, I need you to want to kill Voldemort. Harry needs to understand it for himself because Harry doesn't have to do anything. He could just abandon the plan and go along his merry way. I mean, the prophecy doesn't enforce anything. But the fact is, Harry is brave and he has lost a lot at the hands of Voldemort and he is uniquely positioned to take him down. And once he realizes that and once he's armed with that knowledge, he can't not do it. It's not natural to him. It's against the logic of the situation. And finally, we get to one of the best examples, which happens surprisingly on the astronomy tower with Draco. It's after Harry and Dumbledore have returned from getting the fake locket, and Draco has Dumbledore at wand point. They won't be long. I came on ahead. I've got a job to do. Well then, you must get on and do it, my dear boy. And the two converse back and forth for a while with Draco revealing how his master plan ultimately worked until Dumbledore finally says the following. But as for being about to kill me, Draco, you have had several long minutes now. We are quite alone. I am more defenseless than you could have dreamed of finding me. And still, you have not acted. And here is the lesson that Dumbledore is laying out for Draco. If you want to kill someone, your best opportunity is when they're defenseless and you're all alone with them. And in this moment, Dumbledore has no wand and has been severely weakened by the emerald potion he just drank trying to retrieve the locket with Harry. And they are, as far as Draco knows, alone on the tower. And they've been conversing for several long minutes and Draco has still not acted. Therefore, the argument is against him. He is alone and defenseless, you are armed. These are the necessary pieces for this plan you claim to want to do to be put into action and yet you have not acted. Therefore, you do not wish to act. In this case, I really think Dumbledore is truly trying to do one last good deed. He's not arguing with Draco. He's not even trying to stop him. He's not even making a case for Draco to spare him. He's even egging him on. Like if you're here to do a job, then do it. But the lesson he's trying to instill in Draco by pointing all of these things out, by asking him question after question, is to let Draco come to the realization that he actually does not want to kill Dumbledore because he is not a killer. And in doing this, he's preserving Draco's ability to come back and do other good things. It's very funny if you think about it. He's like tricking Draco into realizing that he's actually a good person. And honestly, what I really just love about this entire insight into Dumbledore's methods is that it offers an explanation to the very common complaint that Dumbledore just left Harry fumbling around in the dark, that he left way too much to chance and should have just told Harry what to do. And the point is, yeah, he could have, but instead he took his time. He asked Harry questions. He let him come to the conclusions himself. And in that way, he's actually leaving less to chance.
sense. And on the whole, that's about as far as I needed to go for this particular topic. But as I kept digging, I actually found way more parallels between Socrates and Dumbledore. For example, much like Dumbledore, Socrates also believed that death was nothing to fear at all and that possibly death was the greatest blessing of the soul. A sentiment which very much reminds me of Dumbledore's line from the Philosopher's Stone. After all, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. Speaking of death though, Socrates himself was eventually sentenced to death by drinking a slow-acting poison known as Hemlock. And in similar fashion, Dumbledore himself dies shortly after ingesting the emerald potion that was guarding the locket. Also, Snape contributed pretty heavily to this cause, but that's kind of besides the point. The point is that Hemlock and the emerald potion actually cause a lot of the same symptoms. I mean, the emerald potion has a lot of extra magical damaging stuff inside of it, but here are a few of the things that they both cause. Trembling, muscle pain, loss of speech, convulsions, and unconsciousness. In general, it's considered the way Socrates was uh, sentenced to death was pretty brutal. And continuing the parallel even further is how Dumbledore acts post-mortem. Once again, you see the Socratic method at play as he helps Harry understand why and how and where he is. Explain, said Harry. But you already know, said Dumbledore. He twiddled his thumbs together. I let him kill me. Didn't I? You did! Think, Harry! But he also gets a little into what is known as the Socratic Paradox. The Socratic Paradox states that the only real wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. I, meanwhile, was offered the post of Minister of Magic, not once, but several times. Naturally, I refused. I had learned that I was not to be trusted with power. But you'd have been better, much better than Fudge or Scrimjaw, would I? I am not so sure. I had proven as a young man that power was my weakness and my temptation. It is a curious thing, Harry, but perhaps those who are best suited to power are those who have never sought it. Those who, like you, have leadership thrust upon them and take up the mantle because they must and find to their own surprise that they wear it well. Harry insists that Dumbledore would have been a better Minister of Magic, and while I think Dumbledore kind of agrees, he also knows that that only remains true as long as he never actually becomes Minister of Magic. His greatness is only intact as long as he never takes the job he would be grateful. And being aware of that is what actually makes him great. Wait, you see the paradox. But Dumbledore believes the same is actually true of Harry, that he is a great leader, not because he wants to be a leader, but because he is forced into the role. Which again, you can contrast with young Dumbledore, who was actively trying to seize power as a young boy with Grindelwald. Was he a great wizard? Yes. Did that make him a great leader? The way Dumbledore gets around this with Harry, though, is by understanding it on his behalf. Never encouraging Harry to seek power, just be presented with power and deal with it accordingly. Horcruxes, not hallows. It's like the opposite of with great power comes great responsibility. Dumbledore knows Harry is burdened with great responsibility and that with that will come great power. Ooh, that was a lot of philosophy to try and think about. But anyway, guys, I hope that gives you a greater understanding for why Dumbledore was acting the way he did and just the Socratic method in general. Also, a quick reminder that this week is SCB Spirit Week. Today is Harry Potter Tuesday. Here are some of the awesome posts people have already been posting today. If you want to participate, it's not too late to post all of your Harry Potter fandom stuff today. And we have a bunch of other days this week celebrating different fandoms. Tomorrow is Marvelous Wednesday. Thursday is Disney 
the Pixar. Friday is Formal Friday. That's where you dress up just for fun. Saturday is Star Wars Saturday. And Sunday is SCB Sunday, where you just celebrate whatever you want or wear some SCB merch. If you want to participate, all you have to do is post a picture of you celebrating your fandom based on the theme of the day. And make sure you use hashtag SCB Spirit Week. Ben and I are going to be reposting pictures all week. I'm already having so much fun with it. But guys, thanks as always for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already. And subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see Dumbledore's big plan and how he was pulling the strings the entire time, you can check out this playlist right here. But Ben, until next time, I will see you in another Life Brothers.